Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. I thought for a second that I wasn't ready because I was like stretching. I'm like, oh yeah. shit, my arms nope. gonna, aren't going to get back in time. And, and uh, claps. Yeah. I'm starting, I'm starting to smell. I have a sauce cooking. Oh, you've got a sauce I cooking? Smell. I have a, I have a sauce cooking. What, I started a sauce. What kind of sauce? It's a really, really simple red sauce. Okay. Um, Okay. You know, like Ellen is experimenting with a, a new dine as well. Uh, that in a lot of ways is very similar to the, the restrictions I have, although it's hilarious the times that the things like that are best for her uh, and best for me like don't overlap at all. Like the like the avoid lists uh, don't overlap. It's 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 weird. But anyway, so I'm just making a real real simple tomato sauce, some some fresh tomatoes, some fresh onion. Um I, uh, a little little can of tomato paste just to thicken it out a little bit because when I do just the tomatoes, if there's not enough, it's a really like thin, weak sauce. And sure. The I, I don't peel them first, so the skins can get a bit much. Um, I like that sometimes, but the dish that I'm making is going to be uh, sweet potato noodles, so I wanted more of a hearty sauce. Oh, uh, that makes whereas sense. like sometimes if I'm doing like a a really good like. Um, uh, uh, like a, a tortellini or something like that. Just like a really light, fresh sauce to go along with that just to add the flavor more so than like the heaviness. Oh. Yeah, oh, just, just experimenting. So Ellen has promised to stir it for me while I record. Oh, good, good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, welcome everyone to our YouTube video where Caleb uh, is going to show you how to make a sauce. Um, oh, I forgot. So- <laughs> it has been two minutes and I managed to forget I was recording. <laughs> It's spectacular. <laughs> that is absolutely spectacular. Uh, As you can see, I'm I'm back home. Yeah, Kilo's back home in, in my normal habitat. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have any true spook nuggets to add to uh, to the the next season of Possibly Normal. Uh, however, there's one there's one I'll tell here because it's unconfirmed, uh, but it was just kind of funny. Okay. Um, cannabis is fully recreationally legal in the state of Washington. And I took advantage of that one evening, and I, I, I just I took a very long walk around the city, uh, and it was about ten thirty at night. I had just enough time to make it to this brightly lit like Apple Store of a of a dispensary, and uh, I picked up a couple things just to get myself through a couple of days before I could fly home because you know I didn't, I didn't want to get on an airplane with a federally controlled substance. Sure, <laughs> um, even though it is legal in both my my departure and arrival uh, points. 
I'm like, let's not play that game. Uh, so, you know, I got a couple pre-rolls and I got myself a seltzer because after a couple hours of walking around town, I was thirsty. Sure. Uh, sure. The, the seltzer was 30 milligrams, which is a not high, but like pretty high dosage. Uh, it's, it's above what I would normally start at. So I, I sipped that on my walk home and then I, and then I lit up when I was about halfway and I, I smoked the entire thing. And then I went to bed and I think it was like King of the Hill on TV or something like that, which I feel like I don't give enough credit to like to that show. Yeah. And I think it's, I think every time I see it, I realize it's better than I think it is. Yeah. And I, I feel like I just, I had like some weird preconceptions about it that just don't hold true. Uh, so I got to watch the the episode where the, the 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 town of Marlin is flooding, and Hank has to be in charge of whether or not to open the floodgates <laughs> at the dam. Nice. Uh, so anyway, uh, I decided I was tired. I was going to go ahead and I was just going to put on uh, put on a record and put on the the new uh, Kississippi record, which uh, is absolutely phenomenal. And I was like, I'm just going to like zone out to this and fall asleep. I ended up staying awake for the whole thing though because it's it's really good. Sure. But at one point, I was kind of like I was laying on my side. I just kind of felt like pressure on the bed next to me, just like a little like, just like oh, like someone climbed in the bed. I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to engage with that. And then I felt like a little bit of like pressure on my arm, like someone was just gently putting their arm over mine, like I was suddenly being spooned. And I was just like, is that you, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was the Laura and Frank Heffernan room. Sure. And I just like, you know what? Nothing bad is happening here. This isn't scary. I don't feel like I'm being attacked. It's actually kind of comforting. So I just, I didn't bother like trying to like reach over or like turn and look or anything. I'm just like, you know what? Either this is a ghost and they're just chill and like just want some company for the night. Or I'm just really fucking high and I'm not going to see anything anyway. So like. Why not just go with it? <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I have a really hard time believing that the majority of ghosts would be malicious. I feel like most of right? them would be pretty benevolent. They would just, or very indifferent for that matter. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think like, you know, a ghost, they've died. They're lonely. They're trapped in their area. Someone lays down. They're like, I'm going to fucking cuddle. It's been a hundred years since I've been able to, I'm going to fucking cuddle this dude because like- right? I'm lonely and I'm a ghost and I got nothing to do. It's like the one I talked about in the, the Spirits of St. Louis episode of Possibly Normal who uh, like held my hand and tried to, to guide me into the, the brewery when we went for the, to see the lights. Yeah. And how they just like briefly rested their head on my shoulder. That was adorable. That was great. Yeah. That probably wasn't a ghost. That was probably also the weed <laughs> Yeah. But if it was, that means that I have encountered at least a couple of like, not only like just like benign, but like actively like friendly and like so, like seeking comfort of some sort. And I, I, I think that that's kind of special. I, I like that. I like that journey for you. I think, I think that's a <laughs> Me pleasing. Too. I've, I, after some of the experiences I've had, like I, I want most of my, my ghost encounters to be like, you know, comforting human interaction like that. Sure. Uh, I mean, speaking of, uh, I guess, malicious ghosts, uh, so Stranger Things Ooh. season four oh my goodness. Has, has concluded. Now, we're going to tell you right up front, this is going to be a spoiler-filled uh, talk about Stranger Things, which uh, aired about a week ago at this point. So we are going to talk about the ending of Stranger Things, just as, mm -hmm. as, a, as a warning. I think that this season started off really strong, um, ended really yes. strong. Yes. But it fell into the Stranger Things formula. 
Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not the first person, you know, this is not some revelation where, you know, it's going to be like, oh, my God, I never noticed it. Like Forbes put out an article about this. I think like BuzzFeed did as well. But we fell into the into the friend formula. Right. So we had Barb, Bob, Billy, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Like you knew right off the bat. Well, I guess like Barb was the surprise. Right. Yeah. But then they introduced Bob and you're like, well, he's fucking dead. Yep. And then they introduced Billy and he's like, he's fucking dead. I mean, he wasn't a friend, but you know what I mean? Like but, it was this interesting, you know, it's that upfront, interesting character, make you like them, even though Billy, like you liked him because he was bad, right? Like you like him because he's a bad boy and then he turns mm-hmm. evil and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, he's so cool. And then eventually they kill him, right? He dies. But Eddie but is like, soon- even if it has like the, the hint of a tragic backstory too. Yeah, like, right. Billy is almost someone who could have been redeemed, and Definitely. I liked that about him. Yeah, I mean, he somewhat has like a redeeming moment in the end, but it's so like, like faded, like a uh, fleeting moment. But mm-hmm. Eddie, as soon as Eddie walked on the screen, I was like, oh, Eddie is mega fucking dead. Like Eddie is definitely gonna die, and it's kind of annoying because he would have been a really cool character. Yeah, he was so great. I loved him. The fucking the the. When he plays the solo. Oh, when he plays the uh, yeah, the roof of the trailer. Oh my he god. He plays he's master like, of puppets on the fucking uh, trailer. <laughs> like, he's like, this is this is music. Oh, it was so cool. I'm not a Metallica fan, but no. I, in that moment, I was like, I would let Eddie play any Metallica song to me ever. And I would not <laughs> complain once. It was so good. So good. It was and so good. The the other kind of formulaic thing that they do, and admittedly, it works in the the stories that the, they're telling. So, like, this isn't mean like shit talking them, but like, there's a whole lot of like, we discover a, a problem. Like, one one group discovers a problem, and then like slowly, a couple other groups will will discover, and then they'll like kind of meet in the middle, and then they'll disperse again, and then they'll meet somewhere else and disperse again, and like, like instead of everyone just kind of being part of this and like solving things together there's constantly still like they have to keep them like spread out and separated and like like will they make it back together this time sort of right. thing and like again like in you know well in order to tell an entire season worth of a story you have to do shit like that but i feel like these uh like all, like every season of stranger things could theoretically have been condensed down into like a movie or a much shorter miniseries without all of the like really all right now everyone they. break everyone break up and like go all your separate ways and like then we'll meet back again, sort of stuff. Like, just you know, the problem confront it. Um, I don't. I haven't decided if that like actually bothers me or not. I don't think it does. I think it's just kind of like, okay, we know this is going to happen, sort of thing. Yeah, I. You know, uh, and I think the biggest uh, the biggest point of that is is the whole Russia storyline. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, they they left season three with us seeing um, Hopper still alive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, we know that season four is going to be getting Hopper back, right? Like, or Hopper mm-hmm. coming back to, to Hawkins. Um, I do think it was really interesting that instead of Hopper coming back to Hawkins, that um, uh, Winona Ryder, I forgot what her name is. Joyce. Joyce, that Joyce and Murray go to Russia instead. I thought that was really cool. But there's there's two things. So like one, I think what they were doing with the intent to help others was like really kind of like, you know, they're like, oh, there's particles here. Like we kill these particles here and then whatever the kids are doing back in Hawkins, this will help them. It was kind of like, okay, all right. Sure. Like, sure, let's go with that. You know, but it, it felt a little weak. It felt a little weak. But 
we, well, we got, saw a we, little bit of that with like the whole like e- e- even at the end of season three, like close the gate, it'll kill the the monster because yeah. it cuts it off from from the hole. So like we we've seen that there is like it is a hive mind of some sort, and it is interconnected. It can like feel and sense like the disparate parts of itself. Okay. Yeah. Like sure, we're just gonna accept that, you know. Like, and it's okay, and it's okay to do so. But in all fairness, though, it gave Hopper. Defeating a Demi Gorgon with a fucking sword. Yes. And which was so good. Which made the entire plot line so worth it just to see him be like, fuck, just fucking like, cut that shit, cut off his arm and cut off his head. I was like, Jesus, fucking Conan the, the destroyer. The most, the most metal, like five moments of the entire season made up for any like fluff or filler uh, throughout the rest of it. Totally. I feel like every, like those individual moments were so worth it. Oh yeah, uh, Eddie playing guitar was Eddie like guitar. Yep, Hopper with the sword. Yep, um, Nancy with the shotgun. In yeah, the end. When, like that uh, was so fucking badass. And when the fucking douchey basketball player like tries to like show how much more powerful he is than her by like grabbing the barrel of her shotgun and be like, "You never get up close," and she just like, all right, and she fucking saws it off, <laughs> which is just great. And then just fucking goes bonkers into Vecna. Great. And, an entire generation getting introduced to Kate, Kate Bush, Bush to this. So it's like, I admittedly, I didn't know who Kate Bush was before this. So like, I'm part of that group of people. It's like, oh, this song's pretty badass. Yeah, no, uh, that whole album is really fucking good. The, it is a the, really good album. The So I, I imagine it's been an alt, like Stranger things in in some way or another because when they did uh, Separate Ways by uh, by Journey, that, that was also a little bit like synthed up more so and like kind of darkened. For the show, but that was also a, a badass. That uh, was a really rendition. cool one. Yep. And I feel like they, they, the the <laughs> this whole crew really understands how to to tell retro story storytelling without uh, falling into like a nostalgia porn trap. Like uh, yeah, as much as like they're fun. Ernest Klein's books are are not good because he falls too much into the nostalgia porn trap. I I like I think he's probably a good writer that just leans too heavily on those tropes. The Duffers and the the entire crew that they've assembled here has figured out how to do the visuals and the sound and the references all right when make it feel like it's period appropriate rather than period appropriation. Yeah, no, that's a really good call. They do, they do a really good job. Actually, there was just a story uh, that came out uh, for you for those of you watching about a week ago, where actually Winona Ryder on set was their like their like eighties you know like continuity checkpoint where she would be like, no, that wasn't a thing in the eighties. Like that what that didn't happen this year. Like that happened later. So she would go around and like fix things so that they were generationally correct. And I think That's that the, is cool as fuck. The other thing that I, I, I think was actually kind of hilarious when I realized it, uh, Cara Buono, who plays uh, uh, Karen Wheeler, the like uh, Mike and Nancy's mom, yeah, uh, she is 10 years older than we are, which makes her uh, technically too old to be Mrs. Wheeler in this movie. Yeah. But like young enough at the time to have essentially been one of the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she would have been the age of all of them. Yeah. 
<laughs> she would have been like so in this season is in nine is in 89 right is uh it, or yeah was it still it, sooner uh, i think it's it's either like 86 or 89 i don't remember but it's so, late 80s it's definitely so, yeah, late 80s. She, she would have been somewhere between 15 and 18 yeah uh, when this movie was set which would have been <laughs> like a, another like which good reference for what this yeah. childhood was yeah. like so like that's pretty cool that is pretty cool that is pretty awesome <laughs> Yeah, I do like that. You know, I like that they brought back uh, Lucas's sister. Um, mm-hmm. Lucas's plot line of like wanting to be a popular jock, like I get it. Like that, that was a good plot line. Um, and I like the culmination of that where he eventually, you know, beats up the jock and he's like, no, you don't understand. Like I'll do anything I can for Max, RIP mm-hmm. Max. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, uh, ish. And uh, that was really great. But then it was also really satisfying because that jock like had very like, proud boy kkk vibes to him like they were like teeing up with that like christian nationalism type thing yeah and it was very satisfying to get him to see him ripped apart by the, unceremoniously uh, like barely even like not even acknowledge they show it because it's part of what else is happening but he's background at that point and yeah. i loved that and like his death matters nothing nothing that was so great it was such a great like yeah, fuck yeah, moment. It was so good. I was such a big fan uh, of that. That was very, very exciting. Um, yeah, one of the one of the big metal moments. One of the other ones that kind of bothered me too is this. We're have we're getting this Ross Rachel moment with uh, Nancy and Steve. Uh, like yeah. everybody knows Nancy and Steve should be together. Now I say everybody is in like all the viewers know Nancy and Steve should be together. But in universe, everybody knows that Nancy and Steve should be together. It's, and that's what makes it so frustrating. It's because Jonathan's character is so fucking boring. It's and honestly like, boring. I don't I don't know anything about Charlie Heaton, so I'm not going to speak directly ill of him, but like No, it's not him. I I just I can't stand looking at him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. Charlie Heaton. I really am. Just like Did you know that Charlie Heaton it's and the squint the guy that plays Eddie are both British? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. But like, it's the like smoldering squint that I just can't stand. It's not you, man. It's just like I just I don't don't look at me. I just please like <laughs> I, I feel like you're 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 judging me in ways that I'm not I'm not comfortable with. It's nothing personal. <laughs> just don't look at me. It's your face, but it's not personal. It's not personal. It's not just personal. your face. It's man. Just your face. <laughs> you get it. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing like his character is written so bo- like he is just such a wet blanket that like it every really time is. he's on screen i'm just like oh god like he wasn't even the most interesting when it was him and like a stoner character was who was played by eduardo franco who uh, is just great who is just great you know we uh we reviewed the binge uh back mm-hmm. when it came out and eduardo franco is in the binge and for those of you that watch the binge and then this you'll be like yeah he pretty much plays the same character he's also in book smart and he plays the same character in that too eduardo franco is that character in real life uh Mm -hmm. you know like i I worked with him on the binge though like he is just that person and it's great and he does it really well so i'm glad that he's making a he's making a business out of it because yes he is exactly that person well and like just as much as Jonathan Byers is a wet blanket and like you just like you just want to have go away. Like Steve Harrington is a masterstroke in character development. Oh like, God. They he took is so good. The worst guy. Yeah. And like made him someone who like is just so lovable. Like not even just like, oh he's yeah, okay, he's likable. Like, no, like Steve is great. I love Steve. 
I, you know, I think it's funny. We have this moment where uh, Will and Mike are in the car together and Will is trying to like kind of cheer up Mike. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, like you're the heart of this group. And I was like, mm, this is definitely but, Steve. What is he? Steve is definitely <laughs> he is 100% Steve is the heart of this group. Because Steve is, always, he's, Steve is the fucking mom of all those kids. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And it was kind of, I was kind of sad he didn't really get as much moment to be mom because the other kids are kind of away. You know, everybody yeah. is really split up. Like we have three distinct groups all in distinct, completely different areas, you know. Yep. Whereas Steve and Lucas... Uh, and uh, Dustin and Eddie are all in Hawkins. We have Will and Mike and Eleven uh, in fucking Nevada somewhere, and then Hopper, Joyce, and Murray in Russia. And that's mm-hmm. that's how it is for the whole movie, like for the whole series. They're all separate apart. <laughs> but I just think, yeah, Steve's character, I mean, not only is he lovable, like lovable, but also like you just want to, you would just do, and you would do anything for Steve. Oh yeah. Like anything. Absolutely. And I think that's great. It shows like even Robin is like, yeah, like let's fucking go. I'll do anything for Steve. I I also love Robin. I also love Robin. I'm really glad they didn't kill her off. My predictions at going into this season was, uh, Robin, Max and Eddie. And I got two out of three. I actually thought for a moment that they were going to like final death hopper this time around, but I feel like they, they felt bad enough about the fake out that they, Saved him for at least one more season. Yeah, I, here's the thing: the they can't kill they in season four. They could not kill Steve, Nancy, Hopper, and Joyce, Eleven, maybe Mike. Like those are the six people that like you cannot kill. Like mm-hmm. I think they could have gotten away with killing Dustin and made it like a really big moment. But like it still would have been rough. But like if you killed so if you killed any of those six people I just named, people would stop watching. Legit. Mm-hmm. If you killed Steve before the end of the series, legit people would be like, I'm not fucking watching season five. Like fuck that. Like same thing. I mean, obviously Eleven, the story's about her. She can't die. But the, she's another one of those people like you couldn't kill her either uh, until the very end. But I think Jonathan is going to sacrifice himself to save Steve with like a you got to look out for Nancy. That's that's a thing that's going to happen. I could uh I could live with that ending for him. And also my other prediction is Max is dead. She's in a coma right now. She is dead dead and she is Vecna. I think Vecna As in like Vecna is like inhabiting over her, her body. Like, like Max is dead, Vecna's taking over uh, Max's body. You might get a Fuck. exorcist type moment in season 5, but I think Max is dead dead. I think it's Vecna now. I hate it. I right, but like it's probably right. I hate it because I don't think that there is I don't think that there's no chance you're right. And that's why I hate it. Um the double negative, but I, I I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you you follow, uh, and so that actually brings me to the the, the biggest concern that I, I have so far is that I thought I understood what was happening when they gave the exposition for like Vecna's background for like Henry slash one slash Vecna's transition from like kind of like eleven in the labs to like being in in the uh, the upside down, but then I completely lost it by the end because it's like okay. Did Vecna going to the the like the other dimension start this whole process and he like partnered with the power there to like bring about his ends and so like he's the ultimate villain? 
Or is he just another step along the way until we find out who actually is pulling the strings? Because it felt like, I mean, yeah, so we get the, the monsters originally. We get the, the Demogorgon and we get uh, a hint of the, the Mind Flayer pulling the strings from behind the scenes, but, you know, had the demo dogs. And then we have, like, the Mind Flayer finds a way to, like, physically manifest uh, in Hopkins. Okay, so, like, like that entity is is running the show. Mm-hmm. But then we meet Vecna, who is more like the, you know, the evil wizard, the, the humanoid, who's, like, seems to be, like, actively directing things with his will. And we learn that he is somehow joined with this entity in the underground and essentially has a, a, a significant amount of power both in that world and ours because of that. But, like, is he really it? And if so, then, like, you're right. Like, he can't be dead uh, if he was, the like, the big boss because, like, he has to, like, have some, you know, big return that they, like, you know, defeat him for real. Uh, and so, which means that, the you know, the stakes, which were already ramped way up in this season, are going to be even higher. Uh, and that means that the, the likelihood of a, like, a... A transference of his his essence or whatever into someone like Max is is possible, and I fucking hate it. Yeah. Or that means that they have to introduce an entirely new character for season five to say like it was me all along. And yeah, you know. I, I I agree with you. I think the the connection of saying Vecna it, that it was Vecna, like the Vecna was the man behind the curtain, you know, the wizard behind the curtain, was like. Uh, that's a little shaky. Like it feels a little retconny to me because it was it. I didn't connect the dot. Like they they took a long. They took the whole season kind of explaining it. But I was like, I don't know, I'm man. So, like it doesn't feel like that's what really was happening. And there's a couple of times that it's kind of implied that he's like trying to find a way back to take revenge on Ella for putting him there. Sure. Okay, that's a motivation. I can I can understand that. But yep. okay, so. Does that mean that he sent the the Demogorgon? Was it supposed to come after her? And was he directing the Mind Flayer to, like, attack? And, like, and it was one of the, like, a Thanos moment, like, fine, I'll do it myself sort of thing that I he you know, feel decides like it was. to, because, to, like, if he could have just been, like, sacrificing people and, like, opening gates all along, then why didn't he just do that? Like, why did he wait f- four years for them to get more confident and more powerful? yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I think I think that's the only thing about this season that left me um, kind of like, mm, but like it's a minor, like you, all the other stuff kind of makes up for it. But like in the grand scheme of the story, it does seem a little, sh- it is a little shaky. I love the idea of one. I love the idea that, uh, that Eleven sent him there, you know, sent him to this other dimension. Then he's like, oh shit, I'm going to take it over. But still in season four, season one maybe but the only thing that i can think of as a as a prediction for season five is that because the stakes are ramping up so high so quickly that the episode in chicago uh of season was it season two season three when el goes to chicago it had to be season three right? i think it was I season three yeah because that's where remember. she meets the uh the, other, the episode the where, where she whatever. meets the the other like grown-up lab kids yeah Everyone was like, that's such a throwaway episode. It doesn't make any sense. Why is it even there? It's stupid. It doesn't add anything. I think that people's anger is going to be flipped upside down when those kids all come back to team up to help fight the the ultimate battle at the end. God, I really hope so, because I know people really hated that episode. And I understand completely why. I think people are valid for being upset about that episode, because it felt like they introduced 
a huge element of not only Eleven's backstory, but the whole lab and everything. And then just sort of was like, haha, just kidding. Let's go not talk about this. It would be great to see, you know, fucking 30 Elevens standing up yeah. and like fighting, you know, a Vecna, a Vecna boss. I think that would be amazing. I hope that that's what we see now that Hawkins uh, a- has exploded. Literally. Yeah, so like that's the thing is like we we know that like the the things are are getting like more and more dangerous, and we know that like Vecna can be defeated, but he's he's obviously more of a match for Elle at this point by herself. Yeah, uh, you know more more than a match for her at this point. Uh, like she was able to hold her own long enough for them to do harm to him enough to take him out of the commission. Now, but uh, as like it, it's in, it, like. There's no reason to believe that he's beaten right now. So I think you're right that he'll come back, which means that they have to have a superior force in order to, like, take him out for good, especially because when he comes back, it will most likely be with the full fury of everything he has at his disposal because now they have this giant gate that will let everything out into talk. And so, like, they have to have this big team, I think, to seal that giant gate and, like, uh, like, destroy him or cut him off forever. Yeah, I I mean, so the the plot of season four is he has to basically kill four people or sacrifice four people to open the four gates, which basically allows him to just pass freely between the two. Technically, he does, in fact, kill four people because they even Mm -hmm. say Max was clinically dead and then she was brought back to life. So Max was the fourth person. Mm -hmm. He killed her. She's dead. Gates open. Eleven brings her back to life, but it doesn't turn doesn't stop the fact that she died. She died on the table and then was brought mm-hmm. back to life. So I think that like the whole thing of Hawkins exploding and you know everything kind of happening, that is saying like, yep, that's it. He did his four people. He is free to crawl right out and you know punch you in the face if he wanted to. It's no longer hiding between dreams, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Friday the Thirteenth style, like or uh, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street style. Like it's straight up. Like he he is corporeal at this point. Oh, Robert England. Yeah, who was in this? He was really yeah. good. He played. Uh, yeah. He played his dad, Creedy's. Uh, yeah, Creel. Victor Creel. Yeah, Victor Creel. Yeah, which is such a name that like only Robert England could play a character like that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's a name that you automatically assume as a villain, which yep. is why I love that they had him as a as a red herring yep. early on. Yep. I loved that. That was great. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, so there it is. What did you guys think of Stranger Things season four? We would love to know. Let us know down in the comments for those of you watching on YouTube. Obviously, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You know the deal. Uh, brand new episodes every Thursday, but brand new full episodes of our podcast every Sunday. Uh, so if you want to head over there, we are the Never Heard of It podcast uh, anywhere you get podcasts. And on this Sunday, we got a brand new film we're talking about called Blasted, which is about a laser tag team fighting aliens, which like... And it's Norwegian. So, like, is it a good time? Let's find out this this uh, Sunday. So you definitely want to tune in and find that out. Uh, so, hey, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. You know, for those of you uh, listening still on podcast, don't forget to share with 100,000 of your closest friends. It's just, like, this whole operation falls apart if you don't. It just it just crumbles to ruins, right? You know, we, we have families to feed. We have dogs to dress up in, in outfits. We need, we need those shares. They need those <laughs> tiny little sweaters. <laughs> so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. I'm just going to start, like, as you're doing the like and subscribe stuff, just start pointing to random places on my screen. Just so that you, you just, you have to put the boxes there now. <sighs> thanks, Caleb. I appreciate that. <laughs> A father's tragic past 
hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller Series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. <laughs>